Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the VoiceOver Talks podcast. My name is Scott Tunnicks. I am a voiceover artist from the UK and creator of the VoiceOver Talks podcast series. Now, one of the most fascinating things I find when talking to other voiceover artists is finding out about how they found voiceover, how they formed their careers and how they moved into the particular area of voiceover that they're in. Everyone's story is so different and each path is so unique and everyone has different goals and aspirations and that's why I wanted to create this podcast to talk to other voice actors about their own voiceover journeys, to share their insights, and to talk about the industry as a whole, where it's been, where it is, and where it's going, and hopefully to have some fun along the way. Each week I'll be talking with and interviewing a range of voiceover artists and voice actors from around the globe to find out about who they are, what their journeys into voiceover look like, sharing advice, stories and insights on a whole range of industry topics. In this week's episode we have a brilliant guest who I'm really excited to talk to. She is an absolutely fantastic actor, singer, YouTube creative, theatre performer and voiceover artist. It is of course the wonderful Anna Chloe Mori. And before I bring her on I just want to play a short clip of some of her animation work, which is an area of voiceover that she absolutely excels in. I mean, she is fantastic across the board, but when it comes to animation and character voices, she has just such a fantastic range. So take a listen to this. Pardon me! Oh, thank goodness! Something horrible has happened! Whoa! 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 Oh, oh no! I'm stuck! So you think you're tough? How about you spell that for me in your own sweat? Drop and give me 20! I know the previous plan wasn't an absolute success, but this is totally different. Owen, oh, don't say anything about it, but there's this tall guy named the Scarecrow, and he's crazy violent and has spikes for arms. He's never been to trough water, but I don't know. He might be later today. We'll see. What? Nothing. Go train them. Go, go, go! I just need to add a dash of this, and oh, yes, a swirl of that, and of course, a sprinkle over the top, and voila, perfection. Wow, what an incredible voice. Anna, welcome to the show and thank you so much for coming on to chat with me today. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, No problem at all. Uh, It's an absolute pleasure. So, Anna, we've just had a listen to a short cut down of your animation reel and we'll come back to that a little bit later on. But to start us off, just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you've been working on recently. Yeah, so I consider myself mostly a voiceover artist now. I started with YouTube and doing voices on YouTube, actually. And now I've just kind of been working on some different corporate things. I've had a couple of animation things I can't quite talk about yet. They're in the pipeline, but should be released soon, which is good. And some cool things coming up. You do so much. Clearly, you are a huge fan of the arts and just performing in general. I've seen that you've also recently started doing some puppetry work. I don't think I mentioned in your introduction, but on top of everything else, you also teach junior musical theatre as well. Mm. I mean, I'm exhausted just thinking about so many different areas of work. (laughs) Um, With so much going on for you, how do you manage so many competing priorities? Well, luckily at the moment, I mean, with lockdown and the current state we're in right now, I have a very manageable amount of work to do. And it's quite funny because I compare myself to my other teacher friends who are doing about 20 hours and then there's me doing two or three because <laughs> like, I just cannot handle it over Zoom. So I don't do that much, thank goodness. But yeah, it's. It, I think 
getting their priorities sorted is is still something I'm getting to grips with for sure. And I know that I can kind of pour myself into one project and then be like, oh, no way, I've got to do this. And and just uh, <laughs> it just is hard to try and get that balance sometimes. But it is. And it's part of the nature of the work, isn't it? I mean, yeah. with any sort of performance work, there's peaks and troughs, isn't oh, it? Sometimes sure. all the projects coming at once and you've got loads and loads to do. And yeah. there are quiet periods where you can focus on other areas a little bit more. Do you have an area that you consider then to be uh, like your main focus or your main sort of long term goal career wise? Um, I would say, yeah, voiceover is the, is the main thing, I think, for me. I, I mean, I, I love musical theatre and I love singing. That's always going to be something that's really important to me. But in terms of goals, I think definitely voiceover and like my, my dream is to be on a UK animated show. That would be my absolute dream. Or to sing a song on an as a character on an animated show or film would be, that would be it. You know, that would be amazing. Oh, for sure. And I was taking a look at your YouTube channel, actually, just before we came on. And I think oh. one of your Disney cover songs has got something like half a million views. And there was another one, an animation video that you've uploaded that's something ridiculous, like seven million views. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty crazy. And those were all focused around the animation side of things. And my next question was actually going to be, do you tend to focus more on, on the commercial side of voiceover or the animation side? But you sort of answered that. Mm. I guess you are very big on, on the animation side of things. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, my main sources of work come from animation, video game and corporate. <laughs> so it's quite an interesting mix. I don't really book that many uh, commercials, actually. So that's where my main bread of butter is to have like a very good narrative reel and a very good character voices reel or two reels in my case. The animation side of voiceover then, is there a particular reason that you focus on that more? Oh, I just love it. I just love it. it I've, I've always loved it. I was a big, big fan of animation. I wanted to become an animator, actually, when I was younger. As in the drawing side of things? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to become an animator. Oh, awesome. Um, I was quite big into anime for a little time as well. Well, there was specifically one show that aired on, I think, Pop Kids TV or something back in like 2007, 2008, called Mew Mew Power. And I was obsessed with it. And the reason I kind of really got into voiceover is because on YouTube, when I was, yeah, so I started my YouTube channel when I was 16. And the reason that I started that YouTube channel, I tried a couple before when I was 14 and 15, which is absolutely bizarre thinking about actually starting at that age. But um, they didn't really take off. But um, the things that made me start that channel, which is It's Anna Chloe M on YouTube, was that someone had like this very amateur casting call for uh, like a dub of the Mew Mew Power, basically. <laughs> so I auditioned over YouTube and I got the part and it was huge for me. Uh, I got the part of one of the characters that I liked, not actually my favourite character, but the one that I thought I could do a good voice match of and I got it. And I was like, oh, and of course, nothing ever happened with the project. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, it's one of those fan projects that's just lost to time. Yeah, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't think I ever heard anything back from them since them saying, oh, yeah, you've got the part. But yeah, so since then, I, I started doing more voice stuff and auditioning for YouTube fan projects, basically. So that's how I got started with that. But oh, yeah, animation voices have just always been 
a big thing for me, not even just, you know, I think a lot of people think about film animation. And of course, everyone wants to be a Disney princess. <laughs> of course. <laughs> even even the boys. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I feel um, animation has just always been an amazing thing for me. And I've always loved it. Oh, that's awesome. And I love hearing about how other voiceover artists discovered the world of voiceover or, or how they came to be working in the industry everyone's story is often so different. Mm. I mean, schools, at least here in the UK, often teach drama, dance, music, all that sort of stuff as part of the curriculum. But for a lot of people, voiceover is something they've never even thought about or something they figured could actually be a career option. So it's really interesting to hear how you started. Yeah, it did start just for fun. And I'd had Um, I have social groups with friends or I had social groups with friends in my teens where we would, you know, do voices and improv with each other online. Um, (laughs) Those were my teen years, basically. But yeah, I think it's funny to say, like, you know, some people haven't thought about the voice side of voiceover or the voiceover side of the acting industry, we could say. But yeah, it was always just something really important to me. Like I grew up watching a lot of Barbie films as well, and I would just always mimic Barbie's voice, <laughs> and I still do today. I just love it. Yeah, like mimicking is how a lot of people have got started as well. They just have so much fun mimicking voices they hear on TV and trying them out for themselves. And yeah, um, I used to record all of my voices and all of my stuff whenever I did fan projects or just like very early things starting out. I would record them all on my mum's computer. So she would have all these recordings, like she'd be listening to her music on iTunes and then suddenly she'd just hear me going, and um, (laughs) bless her, because she said, oh, you weren't very good to start, but I didn't tell you because I didn't want to discourage you. (laughs) So she was always very supportive of me and uh, I think that was very nice to have that. I didn't think you were that great, but, you know, I love you and I thought you could be great, so I didn't tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the the honesty is important as well, but... um... Yeah, so it has it has been a journey so that's how long I've 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 been in the game and you could say but yeah so I, I did have a turning point a few years ago where I was like you know actually I think I think I am going to take this a bit seriously people tell me that I'm good who I've worked with and I've had a couple of commissioned projects and I thought to myself there's no reason why I can't pursue this properly and actually do the things that I've thought about doing you know or, or voicing those princesses or barbies or <laughs> all that stuff and so I thought okay let's just get out there and um, um, so what was your first setup like then when you first started taking it seriously were you working from home or did you start by going into studios or um i started off with a blue yeti microphone which i wouldn't necessarily recommend because <laughs> do you know what i did exactly the same i started with the blue yeti as well i, I used to love the blue yeti i still have it i still use it <laughs> well, mine takes pride of place on my windowsill it's like a little <laughs> monument to when i first started voice yeah <laughs> I mean, it's a perfectly fine microphone for when you're first starting out, but I guess as your career progressed, yeah. you started to look at other gear and other equipment. Yeah, so I had the Blue Yeti for, I think, for about three years. So like from 16 to 19. And then I bought myself uh, the Rode NT1A. So I had like the most typical, typical <laughs> milestones <laughs> you know, of voiceover I did exactly artists. the same. I was going to, I've literally gone Blue Yeti, Rode NT, NT1A, and then I took a recommendation from someone and now I have an Aston Origin. So that's what I've been been rocking for the past I think um two years actually <laughs> it's funny you say that I did exactly the same thing I think it is quite a typical microphone progression yeah. I started with the Blue Yeti I then moved to the Rode NT1 mm. and just a few weeks ago I upgraded to the TLM 103 which again is a very typical sort of progression yeah 
So you started at home and then at what point did you start going into studios and and do you still work mostly from home now or do you is it a bit of both? I mean obviously for the last year at least the pandemic has meant that yeah. almost everything is home based at the moment. Yeah, I, I would say the majority of my animation work has been from home, if not all of it, I think, apart from <laughs> apart from the job that we did together, which is kind of a, a mix between of different genres. Um, but mostly I record animation stuff and gaming stuff from home, uh, apart from when I did um, Total War, Warhammer 2. That's when I, I went into a studio, a local studio, and then was directed remotely because it was during pandemic. And that was really cool. For corporate stuff, it's kind of been a bit of both. Um, obviously, yeah, I haven't been to a studio apart from the Warhammer gig over the past year. So uh, do you prefer working from home or do you prefer going into a studio to work? I think I much prefer going into a studio to work because so much of the pressure is off you in terms of the technical side of things. And I'm just the kind of person who will obsess over things if they don't quite sound right. So the idea that someone else is there to handle that, like a sound engineer, is a huge, huge relief. And also, I don't have to edit it. I don't have to touch the file at all. I hate editing. <laughs> I hate it, <laughs> but I can do it. I don't like it. Um, but the idea that you can just walk in and you have a... Yeah, I I, I choose being directed or um, in, in an in-person session definitely it's nice isn't it to have that instant communication as well oh yeah uh, you know is this what you're looking for or do you want me to try it like this uh, it really helps like you said when, you, when you're self-directing there's always that element in the back of your mind you know after you've edited and you've sent it off is that is that exactly what they mm. wanted are they going to come back and want some changes but equally personally I, I really like working from home because the pressure's off a little bit in terms of right now you've got to perform go go yeah. go and then See, but I like that I like having having the switch be turned on and just having that moment to be like, okay, I'm here, let's go. Whereas at home, sometimes I feel a bit harder to get into that at home, especially in my home home, because I've got a studio outside of my home. So if I'm doing anything like too strenuous or a little bit too loud, I can get a bit self-conscious about the neighbours and everything. Yeah, yeah. So the idea of going somewhere else but of course, you know, <laughs> I have reassured myself and I've taken a couple of workshops from home where I've had to be quite loud. And I'm just, you know, I just go in that moment like, just do it. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Well, one of the things for me on that point of being a bit self-conscious about what others can hear around you. Mm. And for me, that's always been something that I've worried about, particularly with character work, because when you're creating new character voices or voices for animation and you're really you really have to experiment a lot to see what sort of voices you can do. And of course, through that process, some of them will sound ridiculous and some of them will sound horrible and some you'll never want to try again. Mm. So my first studio was just a, um, a walk-in wardrobe that was sort of converted. My second studio was the spare bedroom. I treated the whole room and turned it into a full studio, but it wasn't completely soundproofed. So I always had the worry of, you know, when you're doing some of these crazy voices or, you know, you're really trying to experiment, there's always that self-conscious element to it and you think oh god I can't really experiment too much I don't want to sound ridiculous to people mm. you know walking past or outside or anything and then recently or the beginning of this year I converted um, the garage into a full soundproof studio and for me that's been such a huge thing for me now knowing that once both of the doors are shut no sound can get in or out of here so I can completely relax yeah. and really <laughs> experiment with some crazy voices without the worry that anyone can hear what I'm doing and I know a lot of voiceover artists 
used to live with other people as well try to wait until everyone is out for the day before doing stuff like that mm. but I think it's a really important element of it is feeling confident in your own yeah. recording space yeah I think feeling safe to experiment and that you're not disturbing anyone is a big thing it's such an important thing and and for anyone who's starting out it's it's one of the things that I can't recommend enough is having having a space where you feel or having your own space where you feel confident and safe to experiment and to to really let go and see what your voice is capable of. Because until you have that, I think there's always an element of you or there's always a part of your voice that you'll be holding back. And I think I think another thing is that even if you don't have that, I think there has to be a point where you have to just be like, Ugh, never mind. Um, you know, where if, if you have to record, if you find yourself in a situation where you're like, oh, I'm a bit worried, you can of- often hear when people are holding back. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And that's a huge thing. So you do have to really give it when people say give it. Yeah, absolutely. You make a very good point there about the fact that you do need to get used to going outside of your comfort zone. Because when you do go into a studio, you know, it might be something that you've auditioned for and they said, yeah, we like that. But then you get into the studio and they say, actually, can you try it like this? Or how about we go in the complete opposite direction? And then you kind of are in that situation where the pressure's on and you need to instantly adapt and try something new that you might not have tried before. So it's good for experimenting with certain things, but you do still need to have that... uh, ability to like you said turn the switch on and just go for it when you're asked to for sure so moving on from sort of studio stuff then you've worked on some really great stuff you've recently voiced fruit ninja 2 uh, warhammer total war you've done some really cool stuff with playstation amazon prime what is your proudest voiceover achievement to date probably um I'm proud of a lot of things. Uh, <laughs> um, one proud thing I could say is that I got to go to a BFI screening. Oh, awesome. Uh, it had an animation with my voice in it, which was really cool. Got to stand on a little tiny uh, red carpet in, in the oh, little behind-the-scenes nice. area. It wasn't like a walking-in red carpet, but I was like, there's a red carpet. I'm taking a picture like on a it. a red rug. <laughs> a red rug. Um, so I had to take a picture on that. And that was really cool to go with the person who made the film and the sound designer and uh, I think the assistant writer as well. Um, And just to be there and talk to the crowd and be like, hello, this is our film. Hope you enjoy it. And that was a really cool film that's called Hot and Tasty by Laura Hodkin. And it's a really, really good film. It's a bit sweary. So uh, if if you're not into that or you're young, probably don't watch that. But um, (laughs) it's hilarious. It's basically about two drunk girls who go out for a night out and end up in a chicken shop where some murderous activity is happening, but they're completely oblivious to it. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it was really cool to do the uh, Warhammer uh, work as well. That was really, really cool to actually see come out as well. I saw a trailer and I I was like, I think I can hear my scream in the background because I've got a very distinctive scream. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's it's true. Maybe we'll get you to demo that later for us. Um, So who do you play in Warhammer? Um, I play uh, a Spellweaver character. So I think the role's split between me and another actress. So I found me. I found me and I recorded me. So I'm I'm actually going to release some clips on my social media soon. I just need to get a bit more. I need to get a bit better at the game (laughs) because I don't know how to navigate it. It is an absolutely huge game. And if you're into gaming as well, then it's even better. I'm, I'm a big gamer myself mm. but even so that 
I've, I've done some games where my voice has been used so far into the game I'll email the developers and say hey where do I find my voice in this game and they're like oh it's like level 97 or something after you've done X, Y and Z quests and then I'm mm. like do you know what <laughs> I'm, I'm just yeah. going to have to live with the fact I'm probably not going to get to hear it so you, you, sometimes you can search YouTube clips and see if anyone's got that far oh the amount of hours I've watched or <laughs> it's just in my YouTube history of gameplay videos <laughs> with no commentary just me trying to find <laughs> where I am in this game is is quite amazing actually but yeah and Fruit Ninja 2 was really really cool as well I, I'm really looking forward to uh, to hearing that or playing and hopefully being able to spot you yeah yeah no it's just one of the playable characters she's a very very cute character she's got like little fox ears and um, she makes lots of sounds and <laughs> like kind of arr, arr, arr. yeah that <laughs> I think my boyfriend hears all sorts of weird things going on in here. (laughs) I had to do another thing the other day, which was for um, an online animation channel called Mashed. And I told my boyfriend, um, oh, I have to do some moaning. (laughs) But don't worry, it's comedic moaning. It's not what you think. It's for comedy. but yeah, oh yeah, I've I've always been a big fan of comedy as well and being funny. I think being funny has always been a bit more important to me than being super dramatic and all of that. And that really comes across in your stuff as well. I mean, the animation reel that we had a listen to earlier, uh, your voices are just so much fun and there's so much energy in them. And I've heard you do, you know, really serious and dark, uh, (laughs) evil voices as well. But, you know, a lot of the stuff that you do is just so much fun. And like you said, if you're a big fan of comedy and being funny, it just really helps shine through in your voice. Yeah. I think that's what animation is. It's all about so much of it is having comedic timing, especially for TV animation. If you don't have <laughs> comedic timing, you're going to find it very hard. Yeah. Um, but it's something that can be learned. And I was very lucky that through my experience starting in online animation, so I did get a bit of a crash course in comedic timing <laughs> with working with these different animators. And that's been like so, so helpful. To oh, me. for sure. For sure. What's the one thing you wish you'd have known when you started your career in voiceover? I feel like A, <laughs> I'm going to answer this question in, in, in A and B. No, go ahead. Um, a, I feel like I want to hear from like 30-year-old me talking to me right now. Like I'd love that. I'd love 30-year-old me to just tell me all the things that I can do. But if I was going to do the reverse and talk to uh, uh, 16, 17, 18-year-old me, I think if I was going to say something to myself... Again, yeah, just don't be so hard on yourself. That's what I'd say. But career-wise, just get learned up. I think the moment that you feel you know too much, and the good thing is I haven't felt like that. (laughs) I haven't quite felt like that ever, but it's a good thing to feel like that there's still more to learn. And I think going to networking events was a huge thing. So I'd say go to networking events. That's a huge, huge, huge thing to do. Go to workshops and just expand your knowledge i mean that's really great advice and actually i wanted to ask you a bit about that a little bit later on but first i wanted to ask do you have any really embarrassing moments uh, in your career where hopefully you can look back now and laugh um but i wanted to ask this question to you because actually you were there to witness my most embarrassing moment in my voiceover <laughs> career so far so <laughs> i actually oh that tickled me 
I actually met Anna um, at a studio uh, back in 2019, I think. Yeah, yeah. And we'd been cast uh, in a TV commercial together and we were recording at the Sound Room in London. And they have some beautiful studios there. And on the engineer's side, they had this really fancy waiting area or like a viewing box with a couple of screens where the directors can sit in and watch the session through the TV screens with cameras actually in the booth itself. Um, And it all looked really fancy. And it was actually my first time in an external studio. Everything I'd done prior had been from my home studio. So uh, we went in, we had loads of fun in the session. The session went great. And then afterwards, Anna and I were talking to the sound engineer. And obviously, I was a bit overexcited about being in a real studio for the first time. So I asked Anna if she could take a photo of me recording in the booth. And the engineer was cool with that. So... I ran back into the studio, tried to swing my rucksack down to put it on the floor to sit back at the desk where we've been recording. And with my bag, I knocked a big glass water bottle all over the equipment and the interface, the microphone. I was absolutely distraught. I was so, so embarrassed. And I was just taking pictures. We didn't even get a picture of me sat pretending to record. It was just me looking absolutely mortified. I think I got the action shot, actually. If you have, please send it to me. I'd I'd love to see it. But luckily, the engineer was super cool about it and he could see the water hadn't gone in any of the equipment it was mostly just on it um and it was uh, we we we'd just been like gawking over the mics before it might have been like a u87 or something mm. um but oh my god what a mistake to make when you're first time in a studio to spill water over all the equipment because i wanted a selfie in the booth i mean i just for months and months after and even now i feel so ridiculous um it was just such I, I can't even explain how embarrassed I was. Um, but and luckily, the clients were only patched in via phone and the call had ended before any of this. But for me, that was my most embarrassing moment of my voiceover career so far. I can only just look back and laugh on that now. But what about you, Anna? I mean, maybe yours was just being seen or associated with me on that day. <laughs> No, um, I'll tell you something funny there. I do actually have a picture of me taking a selfie with you in the background fumbling with the water. <laughs> <laughs> like frantically mopping up the Yeah, the and desk. the engineer's oh, in there like he's trying to help and I'm just like smiling, taking a selfie in front of the screen. It's, it's, it's priceless. Oh, I'll, please I'll, um, send it to me. Please I'll send, send it to I'll me. send them to you. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I've had, um, I think sometimes I get a bit embarrassed if, well, I've learned my lesson now where I think I picked a voice which was I thought I could do and it was and I could do it, but it was very slightly out of my comfort range. And this is an important thing I want to share with people as well. Um, a lot of the time people say, you know, don't do a voice that you wouldn't be able to hold for two, you know, two hours, four hours, six hours. Right. This voice I could hold for that amount, but only in a couple of emotions. So that's the, that's another thing I think you have to keep an eye on, is I was really good. Well, I was being really loud, and I, and I knew where I was going with it. That was the kind of voice. But if I have to be really quiet, the voice changes, you know, and that's, that's a really hard balance to get. Yeah. You know, being able to be loud with it. So it's fine. I was like, I, I could withhold that for ages. But to also do stuff where it had to be talking volume, and I didn't think about that. You know, and or I didn't give enough thought about that, and I thought, oh no, I've kind of mucked up a bit here. But um, since then, I've you know I've learned my limits a bit more and how to negotiate those kind of voices a bit more. Um, but yeah, that's that's another thing to really keep in mind that you're not only having to hold a certain element of that voice, 
I think a lot of people think about like if you're doing a really gravelly voice or something. <laughs> that's my best gravelly voice. Amazing. But yeah, it's something that's straining. A lot of people think think about that, but th- that also is a huge part of it, being able to still give a full emotional range in that voice. Do you know what? That is such an amazing piece of advice. And it's not something I've ever thought about before. And I've actually come up against that same issue myself, where there's a particular voice that you can do. It might be, you know, a, a barbarian warrior or um, something like that. And, and it's all very much like this. But then as soon as, mm. you know, if you get asked, OK, actually, now this guy has a really intimate or an emotional scene, unless you really know the full range of emotions for that character or that voice that you've created, you can find yourself in some difficult situations. So I, I think that's a fantastic piece of advice. Yeah, I, I like to kind of think about going two steps from my natural voice. So like the most comfortable character voice I have is like my 13 year old voice where I feel like I know I know it back to front, which is like... um. It's in this kind of range and I could stay here all day and it's a little bit more raspy than the voice I did a moment ago but I could stay in this voice for quite a while and I also could get a bit sad with it and I also get really excited with it you know and <laughs> uh, it's not that dissimilar from my my actual voice it's just a little bit higher and a little bit more raspy so having two or three steps away from your natural voice is a good gauge for animation I would say Another thing that was told to me by my amazing demo producer, Kirsty, was that also if they're the hero of the show, they have to be likeable to some extent. And that's another thing you have to play into your voice. Like they can't sound too evil. Like even if you're playing an evil villain who's the hero of the show, they can't sound too evil. They have to have a likeable quality to their voice. So that's another thing to throw on to all this other stuff you're already doing. The list never ends, does it? But some more fantastic advice from you there. Um, What do you think is the hardest thing about working uh, as a voiceover artist? I would say stamina and just um, keeping going is is the hard thing. I know I've been plagued with thoughts recently about, um, you know, like, what am I doing? Am I doing the right thing? I don't know. And I think a lot of creatives feel that quite a lot, you know, and it's, it's hard to feel like you're doing the right thing. So I'd say that's the hardest thing, keeping your your feelings in check, because it is hard. I think it's really hard when you're in a career where you have to perform, where performance is the is a huge part of it. And what performance asks from you a lot of the time is to be vulnerable. And it's really hard to keep being vulnerable, really hard. So you have to really look after yourself so that you can keep being vulnerable. You know, you go out there, you're like, here's like a, a piece of myself sometimes, you know, when a project really means a lot yeah, to you. Yeah, no, you know, absolutely. Here is here is a piece of myself that I've cut off myself, you know, well, not like that, not literally, but, you know, here's a little piece of my heart that I give to you. And then, you know, sometimes to not hear anything back can be hard. That's that's probably the hardest thing that I've had to deal with is just, you know, really going for something and then not hearing back, you know. Yeah, rejection and isolation and unreliable income are all part and parcel of working as a voiceover artist and as a performer overall. Mm-hmm. And I think you sort of, you mentioned it briefly in your answer to that previous mm-hmm. question, but are there any times when you question your career choice? Daily. No, <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> well, no, mo- you know, it happens, you know, when days when you don't have a job and you're just thinking, okay, what's going on? Or things have been a bit slow. And it is hard. I think you just need to think about the good things that you've done. And you need to remind yourself of 
oh, I'm getting a bit emotional. You know, <laughs> I am a bit. I'm feeling a bit down today, maybe. Um, but, you know, all the things you have achieved and all the things that, you know, you never thought you would be able to do. I think just looking at your CV sometimes can brighten up a day <laughs> and thinking about that was a really cool experience that I had or I, I'm sure that I'll probably do something like that again, even if it's not today, you know. It's, it's all about living in the moment and, you know, as you said, being excited for that next job and and just taking things as they are in that moment and looking back fondly on the past but not being overly worried about the future. Wise words there, Anna. I'll have to listen to it back and then I, I will take my own advice. <laughs> daily mantra. Just take that segment as a daily mantra to yourself. Yeah. Um, but no, that is that's fantastic advice because it is really, really hard sometimes. And, you know, sometimes you'll spend a couple of days auditioning for loads of stuff. You don't have any jobs coming. You don't hear anything back from these auditions. And sometimes you're just sat in front of the microphone and you can't get out the voice that you need to or the voice that you want to. And you think, what am I doing? Is this is this right for me? And then a couple of days later, you come back and you do five or six auditions and you get all of them. And then you get two more jobs coming from previous clients. And then you get a really exciting audition for something else come up and things start looking really great again. So it is it's very much a balance, isn't it? Of peaks mm. and troughs. But that, that's fantastic advice. What resources did you use or books did you read or courses have you taken that have really helped you to form your voiceover career? I think the biggest thing for me was getting involved with the voiceover network and going to their events and doing their workshops, I think, have been the biggest things. Working with people like Sarah Jane Sherman. I was a watcher at a Bob Bergen workshop the other day, which was amazing. He's so cool. He, he's a really good coach as well. He was he was hard, but he was right. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's really good to work with someone like that. Uh, yeah, Sarah Jane Sherman is a big um, Disney casting director. And also in person, those were the two online ones I did. Also three online ones. Um, let's not forget the amazing Adele Cutting. She is so, so lovely and so in tune of what, you know, the job needs. So I've done those online since lockdown started. And then before uh, I went to some I went to some networking events. So I went to Get Your Game On, which was a really cool event where you can talk to different people in the industry. And there was workshops as well, which was really cool. So when I went to Get Your Game On, I did a workshop with Victoria Atkin, who was doing like an introduction to performance capture workshop, um, going over the basics of what that you know performance capture is, and that's something I'm really interested in. I've seen some of the the, um, the photos that you put up from that oh, workshop yeah. session. That looks amazing. It looks looks so much fun. That was from the Jessica Jeffries workshop, actually. That the the one in the actual in the actual uh, lycra. Oh, awesome! <laughs> yeah, and that was that was really really big. And then I've also worked with uh, Laurie Allen uh, from Family Guy, and also the voice of Bonnie's mum in Toy Story. And Jennifer Trujillo. <laughs> Look at all this name dropping. I know. Well, well, they probably don't. They probably don't remember me, but <laughs> I remember them. You know. Um, yeah, she's a casting director for Disney TV animation as well as Sarah Jane Sherman. So just working with them and also hearing their opinions on what they think about the industry that they're specifically a part of is is huge. You know. And uh, get your game on. That was a really inspiring event for me. So it had Andrea Toyas there, who's. She's a casting director for Blizzard, you know, and just hearing her talk about her process and Mark Estale and Jessica Jeffries hearing her talk for the first time before I took the workshop. And yeah, it's just meeting inspiring people. So you, you really go out there and it sounds like you absolutely throw yourself into any resource that's available to help you sort of advance your career, like some of these workshops. Oh, I love, I love workshops. 
I love workshops. They're so good. It, and it sounds like you've made some amazing connections from them as well, which in the industry of voiceover, connections are very, very important. Mm. So are there any misconceptions or myths about working as a voiceover that you'd like to debunk? I mean, people often think it's all exciting commercials and super fun animation characters. And you know, when you tell someone, oh, I'm a voiceover artist, the first thing they ask is, oh, would I know you from anything? But for me, I find the reality is there's a lot of corporate videos, a lot of e-learning narration, a lot of phone messaging systems, the very non-glamorous stuff. I mean, I spent the first four weeks of this year narrating a 100,000 word online pottery glazing course. Um, So, you know, it's not all animation, commercials and games, but are there any common misconceptions or myths about working as a voiceover that you'd like to debunk? Um... Probably that it's, you know, just going to be so easy. I get messages quite a bit just saying like, how did you get into voiceover? You know, oh, I've been looking to develop my uh, career or earn a bit more money. And I I think the misconceptions is that, yeah, it will be easy and it's, it's really not. And there's definitely a market for everyone. But it's also, it's especially at the moment, it's a very saturated market. You really have to work to get your voice noticed. Even if you have an agent, you still have to keep pushing, you know. My, my, I have a, a wonderful agent. Um, I'm represented by VoiceFox in Brighton. But, you know, the majority of the work I, I still get myself, you know. Absolutely. And it's not just about the voice, is it? I mean, the voice is obviously the, one of the most important things. And it takes a long time to, to master and learn exactly what you can do with your voice. You know, you need to know how to record audio, how to set up and treat a proper recording space, how to edit and produce audio, how to market yourself, how to take direction, yeah. how to run a live directed session. You know, there's so many more elements to it. As, as you said, it's not at all easy. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's so much fun and it can be so, so rewarding. But absolutely, you don't just buy a microphone, plug it in and off you go. You're a voiceover artist now. There's a lot more to it. For sure. Yeah. So my next question, uh, Anna, what changes have you seen to the voiceover industry as a result of the pandemic? What are the challenges and are there any positives? I think everyone's getting their home studio now. I think that's been a big change. Even uh, people who hadn't really considered voiceover before, who might have been, you know, actors or other other elements of the creative industry, thought, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it now. It's something I've been considering for a while. Now I'm gonna get a proper setup and actually try and do it. You know, obviously I'm I'm fully supportive. <laughs> I am fully supportive. I sound like I'm not, but I am. I think that's really cool. I, you know, it does make maybe it makes things a bit harder for me. <laughs> you know, when I've got my I've had my setup, and I think yeah, it's a, there's a bit more competition now in that regard. That's been the biggest change, I think, is just that a lot more people have come into it, but then also a lot more a lot more job opportunities have come up now that everyone's working from home. You know, things aren't necessarily geographically um, relevant, <laughs> you could say. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a huge thing. Yeah, it's not all London-based jobs anymore. So for those of us who are outside London, like you and I, you know, it, it's not that much of a big deal because everyone's kind of looking for home studios now. And I think that there's been a bit of a learning curve in terms of people who are coming new to the industry to kind of get, you know, learned about what you want in a reel, what you want for your home studio. And I think, yeah, it, it's definitely been like a huge resurgence of voiceover because everyone's just been seeing how how well voiceover has been doing during the pandemic, mm, you know? Absolutely. My last question then, Anna, um, what voiceover goals have you set yourself for the coming year? Oh, 
I'm I'm quite terrible at goals. Uh, maybe I'll go look at my vision board. Oh, it sounds like you're quite good at goal planning if you've got a vision board. Well, the problem is my vision board was for 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite up to date then. No, because, uh, well, some stuff I was able to achieve. What was on your board for 2020? Oh, just um, like I really like to work for CBBS and Cartoon Network. And the other one was, oh, Disney, of course. Duh. <laughs> um, but I think those are more uh, like you know, long-term goals. Yeah, I yeah. think this year... Although you did do some stuff at BBC, didn't you? I mean, CBBS, BBC. I did. I did BBC Bite Size, so I was close. I was you close. You were close. You, have you got some <laughs> connections now that you can wheedle back in with? And I'll see I'll see what I can do. I'll see what I can do. Oh, but... did, did I read that was um, with David Attenborough as well? Yeah, well, um, he was... Uh, we did these little VTs during the BBC Bite Size Daily when they started doing that. Okay. And... Um, he also recorded one of the VTs, so uh, that was my cool thing. The person who was directing me, they said, well, just so you know, you can put that on your CV now that uh, it was alongside Sir David Attenborough, because he recorded one as well. <laughs> old Dave. <laughs> old Dave. Oh, good old Dave. But yeah, I think this year, I think just to just keep going. <laughs> That's my goal for this year. I don't have huge goals for myself. I mean, obviously, I'd like to take more steps towards my long-term goals, but... In terms of other things, I don't really know, which is such a horrible answer, but I think <laughs> things are so up in the air. It's just like, oh, I don't know. I, th- I think I think that's my, my secure answer is I'm just going to see what, what, where, where this year takes me. <laughs> well, it has been a really challenging year for so many reasons. So, you know, to come out the other end still loving what you do and still being really happy with what you do mm. is as good a goal as any. Anna, thank you so much for coming on today to talk to me. It's been an absolute pleasure. You've been absolutely brilliant. So thank you. Thank you very, very much. Thank you so much for having me. That was the brilliant Anna Chloe Mori. Such a fantastic voice and so much fun to talk with. To check out more of her work and to keep an eye on what she's been up to, you can follow her on Twitter and Instagram. She's at Anna Chloe Moo. And be sure to check out her YouTube channel, which is It's Anna Chloe M, all one word. Joining me next week on the show is former Hollyoaks actress turned voiceover artist Kelly Condren to talk about her journey into the world of voiceover. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast series where there's a brand new episode released every single week. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for listening and joining me for the very first episode of the VoiceOver Talks podcast. For more information about the series, you can visit voiceovertalks.com and to ask questions, join in with the discussions and find out more about each week's guest, please consider joining the brand new VoiceOver Talks Facebook group, which is just voiceover, all one word, talks. And I'll see you next week.